The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with me, David Oram. I'll be looking at the recent major cricket news stories in the region and the hot topics in the tropics in the company of my good friend, the renowned West Indies cricket commentator, Joseph Reds Pereira. Greetings, Reds. How are you? Well, um, I have started some preliminary work on my task to mobilise uh, solutions to really turn up and watch the test match when it comes around in August, West Indies versus India. No problems in getting people to go and watch 2020 <laughs> and the ODIs. Uh, but I've had to postpone the National Press Conference until the Jazz Festival, which has just started. When that's completed, because that's dominating uh, the media, uh, then I will have the, the press conference to work with the media houses because they got to play an important role. So, just doing some preliminary work and, um, you know, watching the world of cricket with Rampal having a second good game. Yeah, yeah, you got a five for this week again for Surrey. Best of luck with all your endeavours there in St Lucia. Um, perhaps the, the, the biggest news that was in the press this week in, uh, in the Caribbean was uh, that came from the ICC's uh, recent meeting. Um, of particular regard to the, the, the Caribbean, was their reprimand for the West Indies players' reds. Uh, it didn't go into specifics about what they were actually reprimanding them for. Was it Darren Sammy's comments? Was it their parading around the field? Was it uh, Marlon Samuels' press conference? I suspect it was all of those. Sir Viv Richards has accused the ICC of double standards in uh, in their response, whereas others, like Phil O'Wallace on uh, the line and length uh, show today uh, was very outspoken uh, against those players like the ICC um, what were your feelings about the uh, the ICC's reaction Reds? I can understand the ICC reaction I mean it's their competition and I think it's going to lead to a code of conduct uh, so to speak the statement by Sir Vivian Richards uh, I think uh, has got um, uh, some uh, some good bearing um, because he, he talks about double standards. Um, I think he, maybe it's a Vivian Richard to see it in, in, in two separate um, goals, two separate um, matters. Um, I think he, he, he made a good point that the ICC tends to um, have a hands-off um, approach towards India who tends to dominate um, and is part of the big three, quote unquote, along with, of course, England and Australia. Yeah. But for them to not uh, accept and just um, almost uh, blatantly refuse to accept the ICC position on uh, the instant replay for uh, Test cricket, mm. um, I think that that basically was what Sir Raymond Richards was was getting at. And, uh, you know, we'll wait to see whether 
um, whether there will be a change in this collaboration between England, India, and Australia in the future. Are, are we going to see this to, to be disbanded? Uh, we, we just have to wait and see. Yeah, well, well I'm sure we agree that uh, we, we, we do hope so. Marlon Samuels was, uh, as I said, uh, guilty of having his feet on the table and that's uh, what he was presumably reprimanded for. He also made comments uh, against Shane Warne, who'd made comments against him. Uh, elsewhere in the press, uh, Ben Stokes said that Samuels should have been a bit more magnanimous in victory, whereas uh, Andre Russell, his uh, fellow Jamaican, said that uh, Marlon is a little different from uh, the rest of us. Um, a lot of the... Uh, Reaction after the game was in the ongoing CARICOM dispute between the players and the WICB. Uh, the latest news in that this week, the latest person to make a comment was the Barbados Prime Minister, Froendel Stewart, who seemed to distance himself from the other outspoken uh, Caribbean PMs who've suggested that uh, the uh, WICB should uh, uh, be dissolved. Similarly, seemingly similar was Sir Andy Roberts, who was on the Mason and Guest show this week, Reds, and he seemed to backtrack and seemed to suggest that what the legends have been saying was not dissolution, but restructure. Yes, I think that was a, a diversion from the previous um, kind of calls. That was a diversion. Uh, you're talking about restructuring. Just to go back to the Prime Minister of Barbados, I think he was sort of supported by the Antigua Barbuda Prime Minister. Mm. So th there is, in fact, um, a question to be asked. Uh, what's the real position regarding the CARICOM Prime Ministers? There are some who have said nothing. There are some, of course, who have been vocal uh, about, quote-unquote, disbandment. That probably has been changed now and, and, and changed. But, you know, I, I think the, the Andy Roberts' um, appearance on the show... Um, did, in fact, say to the uh, Mason show that uh, they wanted, in fact, um, change. And I think the disbanding uh, uh, of the board was not on the table anymore. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, it does show that the CARICOM PMs haven't got clearly united front. I, I, I did cheekily wonder that whether the West Indies cricket board, uh, since there is that sort of... Uh, problem within uh, the CARICOM uh, PMs, whether the West Indies Cricket Board shouldn't call for uh, CARICOM's immediate dissolution or reform. But but I, I am, of course, just being facetious. I want to look at women's cricket um, in a little bit more detail this week, Reds. There's been a lot said that's come out of uh, the ladies' triumph in the 2020 World Cup. Um, one of the things that was said during the tournament in uh, quite a lot of the international papers was talked about the disparity between men and women's pay. Some people were going as far as to say that there should be equal pay between men and women in cricket. I mean, what was your thoughts on that initially? Well, first of all, the amount of money given to the West Indies women for winning, uh, that was decided um, a long time ago. And therefore, all of a sudden, they just couldn't change the amount. I think they got $1 million. I, in principle, I'm in support of the women earning more money. Hmm. Um, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time before we see that happening. It took some time, as we switched to the world of tennis as an example, hmm. before the women 
got anywhere near what the men were being paid. So this is not something that is going to happen overnight. Hmm. But in principle, I, I will agree uh, that the, the women can um, earn uh, more money. I would like to see more women going out to watch more women. I mean, when you look yeah. at the empty stands um, at the, the World Cup, uh, with the amount of, of Indian women who didn't turn up, um, you know, that uh, didn't really give the women a, a vote of confidence in, in, in that area. Mm. But I'm very happy to see what's happening. We now have, what, three <clears throat> Caribbean women playing in England yeah. um, shortly. And uh, I think um, one would think that um, Cooper of Trinidad and Tobago maybe was unlucky not to have been signed. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, those <coughs> excuse me, those three women that uh, from the West Indies that have been signed up for the Women's Super League in England were Deandra Dottin, Hayley Matthews and uh, Stephanie Taylor. Um, all of them have made comments recently since they've got back to the Caribbean after that triumph. Uh, Stephanie Taylor, she said that she hoped the World Cup win would help redress the... Uh, uh, the balance of uh, the imbalance between the, the payments uh, between the men and the women. Uh, in a Crick Buzz interview, Hayley Matthews uh, encouraged the West Indies cricket ball to get more girls playing cricket in the schools. Elsewhere, Kishona Knight, she's called for more corporate sponsors for the women's game. Marissa Aguilera was interviewed on Sportsmac and on Sportsmax, and she said that uh, uh, the women's game really needed to be showcased more on television. But uh, the one that made the most headlines was the uh, the comments by Deandra Dottin. She gave an interview with uh, Barbados Today, where she really did spell out the differences in in those pays, and I'll I'll, I'll detail those in, in a moment. But she also said, Red, that uh, she said that the, the, the difference in pay might lead her to to leave cricket. I mean, that would be a tragedy. Yes, I, I haven't taken that um, part of her statement uh, seriously. She's got, um, you know, a great career ahead of her. I mean, she's heading um, to new, new heights and newer pastures. I, I, I wouldn't take that too seriously. Um, but uh, I suppose when you, when you compare what, you know, the Australian women are earning, for example, mm. and maybe New Zealand women, I, I suppose it's, it's a little hard. For a, a, a top player um, in, in the West Indies female team uh, to, to accept, um, I really like the Haley Matthews call mm. to encourage more girls playing cricket in schools. Now, as far as I know, this is not happening. But in Barbados, uh, there is very little schools cricket elsewhere. Therefore, the girls are learning the game, as they say, big. Uh, they're not, um, you know, getting the basic skills. Even if you have to introduce a, a softball at the primary school and maybe graduate um, to secondary school and then in, in, introducing the hardball. But there's not a lot of cricket being played among girls in the school system. And uh, I think uh, Haley Matthews might have been looking away from Barbados or maybe even including Barbados. Maybe mm. she's not uh, totally pleased with the amount of schools playing. But certainly, um, you know, I don't believe any schools are playing uh, cricket in Guyana in terms of girls. And that might be the, the case um, right across, yeah. except maybe uh, for Barbados. And I will just maybe leave a, a, a little question mark to whether, in fact, Trinidad and Tobago have started in that area. I'm not aware that Jamaica 
started. So good call by Eli Matthews on on, on the Crick Buzz. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that was in an interview with uh, Colin Benjamin, who's uh, uh, been a regular correspondent of of mine and uh, guest on on this show. Um, just to give David, those... regarding mm. uh, um, Marissa Aguilar, mm. uh, I can say that when West Indies played um, Pakistan here, it was on television every ball. It was on radio every ball. Uh, so you know, it 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 does also depend. On the media houses, um, you know, when the Westernese women are playing, at least in the Caribbean, yeah. um, you know, what the media houses can also do um, to, to encourage, um, you know, airing uh, what's going on at the respective ground. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a very fair point. And it does, uh, it is different in uh, different territories. Uh, in Trinidad, they are doing uh, one thing that was noticeable this week. They've announced that they're going to... Uh, Name a street and or recreation ground after both Anissa Muhammad and Stacey Ann King. But before I move on, uh, I do want to just give those details for those that are interested. What what Deandra Dottin was quoted as saying, or the Barbados Today uh, paper was quoted, the, the figures they talked about. It said that for the the men's team, their, their winner's check for the World Cup was 1.6 million US dollars, while the women, and this is the whole side, got... 100,000 US dollars. She also said that uh, the different figures between retainer contracts for the men and the women, that the women were on uh, 1,500 to 3,000 US dollars per month as a uh, retainer contract, while the men are on 100,000 US dollars to 140 US dollars per month. I mean, these are not insignificant figures, Reds. No, it's, it's not. It's not. Um, she's obviously done some homework. On it, the hundred the hundred thousand uh, dollars that you just mentioned was that per player? No, that was uh, between them. That was a collective. Uh, that was the pot. Well, I, I think that the ICC could could have done better. Yeah. But um, again, I want to make the point that the women of India and the women of the world watching cricket must turn up and watch the women in the first place. Don't don't expect only men to to, to turn up. To watch them. Yeah, yeah. Moving on, looking ahead, uh, we've got the uh, the summer in the the West Indies of uh, the we've got the CPL, the India Tour, the Tri Series before that. Dale Staines uh, replacing uh, Lassith Malinga for the Jamaica Talawas in the uh, the CPL. That's been announced. Uh, Faf Duplessis, he's injured too. He may not be available for either the Tri Series or the CPL. Um, Kieran Powell though has said he wants to make a return to international duty if. Uh, if selected, um, any ideas, Reds, when we might see this the the West Indies side selected for the Tri Series? I, I think it's got to be done soon. If it's got to be done, it's got to be done soon because we are not very far away, and uh, Clive Lloyd and his co-selectors must be looking at a, a possible lineup. On the question of power, he quotes um, Phil Simmons is asking him uh, to start playing, and he said. In an interview I read, and, uh, you know, you can't believe everything sometimes you read. <laughs> he said, well, I have done that. I, I, I now await um, what, what will happen. I think uh, he's just got to keep playing a, a bit more um, in the Leeward's competition, which is now ongoing. And uh, simply not because he, he, he played in one yeah. four-day game and might have played in one or two others, 
uh, to simply stop playing. There, there is a, a very good chance uh, if they feel that uh, the three years he was away wasn't too long of him maybe opening the innings with uh, with, with Bradford mm. against India. Um, Chandrika, um, you know, I don't think has done enough. Mm. But um, if there's no power, they probably will have to go to Chandrika. I will await, um, although I have some ideas of what the team may look like, I will have to wait and see what the May meeting might in fact come up with. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I, I want to wait until the May meeting is, is over, until um, I become an armchair selector, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I, but I have been doodling here and there. I have been doodling here and there in terms of, of, of what the team, what, what the lineup may look like. But um, I, I want to wait and see a, a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm the same as you. Uh, I'd love to see Powell back in it. Um, whether he's done enough to get back in, I don't know. It would be a leap of faith to include him, but um, I I'd, I'd perhaps take that chance. But we'll wait and see what the selectors do. Uh, well, I'll tell you something. A friend of mine sent me a, a lineup: ODIs, Fletcher, Braffitt, Bravo, Samuels, Dalrich, Carter, Holder, Braffitt, Cummins, Taylor. He's got Moti, the very promising mm-hmm. left arm spinner from Guyana. And he's got Joseph. Mm. And the email includes uh, a test lineup of Chandrika, Braffitt, Bravo, Hope, Johnson, Chase. Chase has been really having a great uh, season for Barbados yeah. this year, both with the bat and the ball. Ramden, Braffitt, uh, Holder, Bisu, Taylor, Cummins, Joseph. That's just someone who sent me an email. Uh, so. Um, as you asked me to, to to look at mine, I just said I will use this which was sent to me. From my list, yes, yes. The CPL Reds. I had a podcast earlier this week with Terry Bent, who does the uh, Barbados Trident blog. Um, he gave me some reassurances about uh, the, the woes of Dr. Malar will not inconvenience uh, Barbados Trident's uh, participation in this year's competition. Uh, Damien Donoghue, in an interview uh, with The Nation, has seems to suggest the same. Um, but we still don't know who's hosting the final. Guyana, in a, one report, uh, well, they reported to have it, and in a report just yesterday, they seem to be backing off, Reds. Yes, that is so. Um, there was, in fact, a clear uh, announcement that they were going to host the final and semi-final, but that doesn't seem to be the case yet. And I'm getting some mixed signals that, that the official list of games have, uh, have not been um, decided on. Yet I did receive a lineup which says the 29th of June, TNT, Red Steel versus St. Lucia Jukes, Jukes in, in, in Trinidad. Um, mm. And I've got uh, 21st to the 26th, uh, the Zooks are, are playing uh, against the Guyana Warriors, Barbados Stridents, TNT, Red Stripe. And St. Kitts Patriots. Now, um, it appears that this is not official yet. Um, I don't know if we can have changes. And, of course, there's matches announced in in, in Florida. And I'm told that uh, the CPL officials are working with the State Department to get all the visas confirmed of all the teams and officials. And when that is done, then they will, in fact, um, announce what's going to happen um, in uh, mm. South Florida. Mm. But already we have seen and heard of some 
fixtures for South Florida. So I think uh, it's a little premature, and we just have to wait and see uh, when the final CPL release uh, comes out to see uh, who who is playing where. Yeah. No. The, the, the other the other interesting story is you raise the question of the CPL, David. Comes mm. out that Jamaica. Right. Now, when Sabina Park was rebuilt in 2007, there were a number of lovely boxes. I mean, I go to one, and I heard yesterday that the owners of the Talawas are now telling the Jamaica Cricket Board, and in fact also telling the box owners, mm. that they will have to pay a separate amount uh, <laughs> to watch uh, the CPL games at Sabina Park. Okay. Now, right now, the Jamaica board are the ones who are, in fact, um, uh, coordinating the payment um, of the boxes. They go to the Jamaica board, and the box owners uh, who met um, with the Jamaica board last week, the box owners are somewhat concerned uh, that they might have to fork out more money if they want to have the hospitality of the boxes for their friends and, of course, uh, the people they do business with. That is something which is ongoing in Jamaica right now. And you can ask a question, Mark, does the Talawa owners have that, um, have that uh, yeah, authority to, 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 to do so? Authority to, to, to go that far? Because that, that can apply to just about every other ground in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting times, Red's interesting times. Um thing that really interested me this week was the speculation. There's been a lot of talk about um, uh, in world cricket about day-night tests. Uh, South Africa seemed to be resistant to playing one in Australia, whereas uh, <coughs> India uh, are keen to have a home one against New Zealand. Pakistan are keen to have a home one against West Indies, and they've been reported to be uh, debating it. One report suggests that, that the West Indies Cricket Board have agreed. Uh, would this be good for West Indies cricket to, to play some day-night cricket? Well, it will be, but probably better for Pakistan because they're going to play a day-night match in, in Australia. Uh, I think one of the reasons that they are suggesting this is to give um, you know the, their players an opportunity to play a test under those conditions before they go to Australia. Mm. But um, it's the way to go. I mean, I'm a little surprised that the ICC has been a little slow in moving towards a four-day game, in moving towards more day-night cricket. The one at Adelaide, um, you know, was a total success. Uh, I think the much-discussed pig ball came up with a fair amount of, of votes. And, uh, you know, the, the ICC, uh, they are losing ground to the shorter form of, of the game. And they've got to do something for Test cricket and do it very quickly indeed if they're going to get television support, if they're going to get spectator support, and if they're going to make the four-day game the Test match a more interesting and seeing results in that four-day period. Yeah, no, I, I, I entirely agree. I'll just quickly round up some other bits of uh, Caribbean news before we, uh, uh, as we wind down uh, Reds. Tino Best has uh, replaced Fidel Edwards at, at Hampshire. You mentioned that uh, Ravi Rampour took another five-wicket haul for Surrey. Uh, Jerome Taylor signed for the Mumbai Indians in the uh, IPL. Uh, one little bit of uh, uh, comedic news I, I saw, Reds, which I don't know if you missed, uh, there was news that Darren Sammy had uh, been given Pakistani citizenship. It was suggested and apparently approved, but was then revealed in the, the Iri FM news that uh, the approval of his uh, Pakistani citizenship was actually uh, a hoax from a fake Twitter account. Yes, it certainly got a lot of play on 
Facebook and things like that. And then we heard that it was a, a whole fake story <laughs> and uh, it disappeared as quickly as it, it came. What I wish Tino Best for every, every success for Hampshire. Mm. And maybe he needs to focus on what we probably should have focused in his book, taking wickets. But um, <laughs> here's hoping that uh, he can have a... A, a, a very good season. Take, take, taking wickets, not notches on his bedpost. Yes. <laughs> in terms of uh, cricket form, I was very pleased to to read that in the uh, uh, matches in the Leeward Islands that Azawi Joseph took seven wickets uh, in Antigua and Barbuda's victory over Montserrat and then did it again against Anguilla. They did actually lose the game to St Kitts, but his form sounding very impressive, Reds. Yes, um, I'm glad to see also a colleague of Azari Joseph. And I think Azari Joseph is going to be in the thoughts of the selectors against uh, South Africa and Australia. Mm. I see where Kimo Paul, yes. um, the, the all-rounder, I think that's a young man who could go very far in Guyana cricket and maybe beyond. He got 156 in, in, in a game in in. in in Guyana, he comes from my part of the world, the Escobo, and I think that he is unlucky maybe not to have been in the CPL plans uh, for the young players who won the under-19. But there was only one per team, and one can understand that Hetmeyer was the first choice. Yeah. But uh, he'll be pretty handy to have a run. He should learn a, a, a great deal. Yeah, yeah. While we're talking about uh, heavy scoring, uh, I just want to flag up as well. I'm sure you read about it, Reds. Uh, a young 23-year-old in Trinidad, Iraq Thomas, uh, who made uh, a 21-ball century. He ended up with 131 of 31 balls. Yes, I think he's from Tobago. And one must say congratulations to him. If that was at the Tobago ground, it's a small ground. And if you're going well on that ground in any one day, you can you can pile up a, a hundred in very quick time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just as we end up, Reds, a um, couple of things I want to flag, or one thing I want to flag, and then I want your recollections. I think it's relevant to note that this week uh, is the eighty-seventh uh, birthday of Sunny Ramadin, uh, born on May the first. It would also have been last Thursday, the eighty-sixth birthday of the late Al Valentine. I, I mention those, of course, since. Uh, they are, in a way, the patrons of this show with our introductory music, uh, those two pals of mine. But uh, uh, another guy I want to uh, recall, Reds, before it's too late, we had our brief hiatus a few weeks ago when I, my, my computer was uh, not doing as it should and had to be replaced. Um, it was the centenary in April of, uh, it was the 100th birthday of the late Peter Bailey, former first-class cricketer, and uh, an early pioneer in the Caribbean of uh, radio cricket broadcast threads. Yes, um, first, uh, Sonny Ramadan, we wish him very good health, and um, he is only one of two survivors um, from the winning 1950 tour himself, and of course, uh, Sabaton Weeks. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, the um, question of, of, of Peter Bailey, I saw him play. I saw him play. He was really a quality player. Unlucky maybe not to have won a test cap for the West Indies. Or he did tour in 1939, but I think he had an injury. He had a big double in his career. And I think you probably have brought up his his first-class figures. He got a, a double against Barbados um, right. in a major partnership with Dusa Pesad. I mean, I wasn't uh, around then. That's two years before I was born. Of almost 400 runs. Very, very good player, um, quality player, attractive. Um, he was called Peter Blood because <laughs> he had um, a, 
funny uh, this color of the skin in in the jawbone um, and uh, he later uh, after he finished uh, became a, a commentator in then British Guyana and then he moved to live in Jamaica where he was also highly respected as, as a commentator and, and as a personality. He was about, oh, I would say, 6'2", and an attractive player, and a nice person, a nice person. He, he had um, a special love for life and love for people. Yeah, yeah. Well, he died 20 years ago, December 1996. He was, he was 80. Uh, he scored over, he scored 15, just over 1,500 runs in his 28 first-class games, but over a 15-year period, 1935 to... 1951, of course, a time when far fewer first-class games were being played in the Caribbean. Uh, average 34.28 with, as you say, that, that massive 268 against uh, Barbados. He was uh, too early for you to have worked alongside in the commentary box, though, I'm guessing, Reds? Yes, I, I, I listened. I listened. Uh, I, I watched him as a, as a schoolboy. I, I did listen. Um, I, one of the things about players of, of that era, of course, that's well said when you think of the late... Uh, George Headley hmm. is that the, the the war years hmm. robbed the people of that era yeah. um, a, a lot of cricket. Yeah, no, a, lot, a lot of cricket, and a, a time when, um, in uh, certainly in the Caribbean, you might only play three to half a dozen first class games during the course of uh, of, of that time, but obviously play a lot of other cricket uh, below the first class level. Um, that's all the time we've really got this this week, Reds. We're trying to keep it tight around the uh, thirty minute mark. Um, so I want to thank you for joining me, and I know you always like to uh, thank our listeners. Yes, definitely, and I hope that they have any queries or comments. Uh, they're quite free to um, email those, and we will not put it in the in in the dustbin. We will raise them <laughs> and certainly share them because this is what this program is all about: balance and. That uh, email address where you can contact us if you uh, have any feedback or questions is willowinthewindies at outlook.com. That's uh, one word, willowinthewindies. Uh, and I'd also like to remind you that uh, you can now subscribe to this podcast uh, via iTunes. Thanks again, Reds. We'll do this again next week. Thank you, David. This has been the Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with Reds Pereira and me, David Oram. And we both hope that you can join us again next time. Goodbye.